Well, hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Dr. Joe Galati podcast, broadcasting high above the Texas Medical Center in Houston, purveyor of all things related to the liver, health and wellness, nutrition, food and cooking, and all-around doctor banter and witty repartee with our experts that visit us. Our website is drjoegalati.com. If you'd like to send me a note, subscribe to our newsletter, or even see me as a patient. If you want to call and be part of the program, dial us at 888-438-9431. And now, on with the podcast. Coming to you live from Houston, Texas, home to the world's largest medical center. This is Your Health First, the most beneficial health program on radio with Dr. Joe Galati. During the next hour, you'll learn about health, wellness, and the prevention of disease. Now, here's your host, Dr. Joe Galati. Well, it is another Sunday evening on the radio. So glad you're all here with us tonight. Giving us one hour of your time to be better consumers of health care. Our plan is to raise your health IQ. 18 years, I've been saying that every Sunday evening, and all of us on the program, we mean that down to the bone. We want to make you have the ability to understand the complicated topics, the issues to keep you healthy out of the hospital, out of the doctor's office, and to, most importantly, keep you happy and keep you healthy. That is it. Dr. Joe Galati is our website. The most important thing to do is sign up for our newsletter. Go to drjoegalati.com every Wednesday morning. At about 6 a.m., the newsletter is miraculously sent out across the country, but you have to sign up. So go to drjoegalati.com. On the homepage, there is a tab that says newsletter. Subscribe. Go there and uh, be part of the program. Okay, coming up shortly, Dr. David Pate is back. He was on the program, uh, I want to say, within the last month. He is the recently retired president and CEO of St. Luke's Health System in Idaho and presently a member of the Idaho Governor's Coronavirus Work Group. And since retirement, and probably before retirement, he has really committed himself to COVID-19 and trying to communicate to all of us one you know, look, if, if when we look back at the postscript of coronavirus, hopefully very soon, the headline is going to be miscommunication, misunderstanding, confusion. And I would like to look at, and I think Dr. Pate will agree, it it didn't have to be, it didn't have to be this way. But I'll wait to uh, see what he says. He had a he, he has an excellent blog. And uh, the one that really caught my eye again, a note to those who are confused, afraid, or just uncertain about whether to get the COVID vaccine. So we're going to, amongst other things, going to be talking about that. So stay tuned. All right. So in wanting to chat and 
people sometimes ask me, where do I get information about things to talk about? And uh, certainly things that are printed in medical journals, uh, listening to other podcasts, uh, television, radio, all, all sorts of information. But Watching television commercials is sometimes very informative for me. And I saw a TV commercial last night for Golden Corral. Everybody know what Golden Corral is? It's a it's a buffet. I believe it's a you one price all you could eat buffet. And as you're looking at the commercial, the gist of it is come on back to Golden Corral. In in this setting a la COVID We've all been staying at home. It is time to come back out to Golden Corral. And the commercial has no less than five different plates of food that are gracing across the screen. And it may be, well, actually two of them were fried chicken. So it's fried chicken and a side of broccoli. Fried chicken and peas. There was something that looked like meatloaf and broccoli. So when you look at the the design of this uh, commercial, it's like, yeah, there's fried chicken. There's meatloaf, which may not be the healthiest, but gosh darn it, if you want peas or broccoli, Golden Corral has it for you. Now, I am not against Golden Corral or Cracker Barrel or any other buffet chains out there. So don't write me and send me nasty emails. But what I see firsthand from my patients and their families, they are eating at Cracker Barrel four and five evenings a week. It's not just the... Hey, let's go out a couple times a month and, and treat ourselves to lunch or dinner or even breakfast. The American public is making a staple of these all-you-could-eat buffets because we're not cooking at home anymore. It's too much work. We are too busy and stressed out. It is more convenient to rip off a top Throw it in the microwave, heat it up for three minutes, and we are done. No peels, no shopping, no dirty dishes, nothing. And that is what we have gotten to. Now, the reason I take this on is because in my practice, which you all know, I handle patients with liver disease, the number one disease I'm seeing is fatty liver directly related to obesity and the foods we are eating or lack thereof. And so this is a major concern. Sure, you want to go out to Cracker Barrel once a month on a Friday, whatever the case may be. That's fine. But if you are making a a standard standard diet of this, you're going to be in trouble and have problems with diabetes and hypertension and heart disease. You know, we're playing ZZ Top here. It's so sad Dusty Hill died this week. I did have the opportunity to meet Dusty. And anytime somebody prematurely passes like this, it is sad. 
All right, Dr. David Pate is coming up in the wings. Dr. Joe Galati, drjogalati.com is our website. Stay tuned. Listen to a little ZZ Top, and we'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Dr. Joe Galati. Every Sunday between 7 and 8 p.m., we are here bringing everybody the best in health and wellness. And as I say, week after week, trying to raise your health IQ. And if there is one topic that we are, I don't want to say inundated with, but certainly coronavirus has taken up so much of our essence, our being, and uh listening to everybody and getting feedback online, more coronavirus. They need more information. And again, we have Dr. David Pate. Welcome back. Recently retired president and CEO of St. Luke's Health System in Idaho. And he's working with the Idaho governor on the coronavirus work group. David, welcome back to the program tonight. Hey, Joe. It's great to be with you again. Well, uh, thank you. And uh, you know, the one thing that that caught my eye was your um, one of your blog posts about um, trying to have a dialogue with those that are confused and afraid or uncertain about the vaccine. And, you know, what you read there based on your own experience uh, certainly rings true to what I see and I'm sure what many people are thinking out there. But one of one of the things that you mentioned right at the beginning of the uh, blog post is this whole this whole issue of misinformation. And what what is your take on that as far as where we derailed with regard to misinformation and really distrust of the public with what seems like a rather, it's not, I don't want to say it's a straightforward uh, 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 plan of care for COVID, but it, it should not have been this hard. What do you, what do you think? Well, I, I agree with you, Joe. We've made so many missteps along the way, and I, I'm you know, one of my big interests is in making sure that we learn from this, because as you know, we are going to have another pandemic. Right. In fact, another physician here in Idaho have just and I have just written a book about the things that we should learn from this pandemic so that we don't repeat these mistakes. But I think two big points uh, with respect to the very important point you're bringing up about misinformation. Right. Number one is we have to understand the world is different with social media. You know, before social media, you know, when it was TV and radio, right. I mean, you're not going to have a guest on your show who is an architect uh, by training to talk about coronavirus. Right. But on social media, that architect can get on and can say whatever he or she wants. And if enough, enough people like it, that person who previously would have had very little voice can now get their message out to 
thousands or millions of people. And right. and so that's that's a big problem. And and I think the reason that we have inadvertently allowed this is we created the vacuum. Right. Uh, you know, we people need information. Right. And and when something is happening that is very shocking and surprising to people. Think back, Joe, to uh, a year ago, you know, last February sure. or March, when when people didn't know very much about this. We right. were afraid. We didn't have information. And, and what we saw was too many public health officials, very cautious, uh, not wanting to say anything that might be wrong, right. uh, you know, being very careful. And unfortunately, that meant they were giving us very limited information because we didn't know a whole lot back right. then. And and what happens is that when we allow those gaps, then people will fill them in. And that's where conspiracy theories come in. That's where misinformation comes in. And what I think we should have been doing from the very beginning is saying, look, we want to explain to you, this is a novel virus. That means we don't know. And and the way that science works is that we're going to keep making observations, and then we will refine what we know based on what we're seeing. But understand that two things are going to determine what happens in the future, the behavior of the virus and the behavior of the people. Exactly. And so... That's what we've got to focus on, and we just we just didn't take control of the narrative soon enough. Well, you're right, and you would think that whoever was monitoring the public opinion, in a sense, if they picked up on this to say, you know what, the American public or the world public is not doing well with half-truths or just sort of leaking out information a little bit of the time. They really need a frank conversation to say, we don't know, rather than tell them a half-truth just for the sake of having a half-truth. It's almost as if, um, let's just have a press conference for the sake of having a press conference, but not really, not really moving the needle from yesterday to today to say, we know something new. If we know nothing... Just stand up there and say, we'll call you when we have something new. Well, you're exactly right. And and we we should have been communicating more clearly, more frequently, more openly, more transparently with the public. And, you know, and I understand some of the reasons people re- were reluctant to. Uh, I mean, first of all, uh, for a lot of physicians, uh, if you're still in practice, uh, you're going to be hesitant to say something that then might cause uh, other people to uh, not give you business, not want to be your patients, right. or not refer patients to you. Uh, you know, plus, uh, you know, a lot of people got attacked. You know, I was one of the early ones to speak out, and people didn't like what I had to say. And and so I got personally attacked, and there were all kinds of accusations made about me, some of which were horrendous. <laughs> um, but, but you know, you have to be willing to take that. And, and I've got pretty thick skin by now, so yes. that didn't bother me. But the I think the other thing, too, is... You know, through the the year of last year, as we just really didn't know much, I would tell people, okay, this is what we know. 
Now, here's what we don't know, but I know you need to make decisions in your life, so I'm going to tell you what I think. Uh, But understand, there's a difference between what we know and what I think. And yet, uh, and because I was willing to do that, on a few occasions, I was wrong. Things didn't turn out in some cases as I had predicted they would. I I still don't understand why they didn't. But now people, there's people that still say, oh, well, you were wrong about this. So you don't have credibility. Well, if we're going to, if we're going to, Uh, tar and feather these people that are getting up and willing to give you the best guess that they have, uh, then they're not going to speak out next time, and we're not going to know. And, and, And in fact... Uh, you know, I was right far more often than I was wrong. But you know the same thing from the patients you treat, Joe. Yeah. Um, you know that you have patients that have unusual situations, and you can, you know, they're going to want to know about what's going to happen, and you can certainly give them your best guess, but you and I have both been fooled before where patients did far better than we would have expected or patients did far worse than we would have expected. Right. And, you know, I would say the, it's the inconsistency of the message or even the actions of uh, people. And we're, we're talking, unfortunately, it has become politicized, you know, the, the, um, politicians starting at, you know, at the governor's level, the mayor's level, the president's level, uh, and all of Congress and, um, you know, the leaders of the CDC and the health department that are, in a sense, something is in today, do this, and then a week later, it's not do this. And I and I think one of the, and we have a minute here before we take a break and we could carry it, yeah. is, you know, so much is... Getting back to wearing masks, social distancing, uh, getting vaccinated, et cetera. Uh, but yet to get I, I don't want to say political. It's just the truth. We have this influx of migrants along the border. And there was a, a, a apparently a report that there's a 900 percent increase in positive covid cases. And these these individuals are not being properly monitored and treated. And they're just going off and. Gosh knows what they're doing. So it it is a problem that you you know we hear messages. We have to do this. Stay home. Wear your mask. But yet, people with COVID may just be walking the streets unmonitored. It's a tough thing. It's a tough thing. It, it, it is, and I, and I think that the CDC. Yeah. Now, David, you know what to do. Let me if I can yeah. if let me have you hold that thought. We're going to take a break right now, and we are with. Dr. David Pate calling in from Idaho. I'm Dr. Joe Galati. Don't forget, drjoegalati.com. We'll be back in a minute. Thanks very much for tuning in and sharing an hour of your weekend with us. I'm Dr. Joe Galati. This is Your Health First every Sunday between 7 and 8 p.m. drjoegalati.com is our website. And you want to sign up for our newsletter and stay up to date with all that we are doing, drjoegalati.com. All right, back to Dr. David Pate. And um, Dr. Pate, I, I, I want to get through your blog post. And I, I made notes here for, I think you had seven bullet points on on the blog. And you start off by being 
very transparent about yourself. You talk about you're a lifelong Republican, you are a Christian, uh, you don't have investments in any pharmaceutical companies. Why? What made you think that was needed or you wanted to just open things up as you're communicating with the public? Tell me about that. I, I think it's great that you did that, but tell me what you were thinking. Yeah. Yeah, Joe, I think two important reasons. One you mentioned, and that is just the general distrust. Yeah, exactly, uh, yes. You know, I mean, people are being lied to, and and that has hurt trust. And so I think to be able to trust somebody, you have to understand where they're coming from and what are their self-interests. I think the second thing is we've certainly seen um, a number of politicians who, for political expediency, have really been against all of these public health measures. But yet, I know in many cases, behind the scenes, they were getting testing when you and I couldn't. Right. They were getting access to medical services when you and I wouldn't have gotten the same. Right. And they got in the front line for vaccines. And so I think that if you're telling people, which I'm not, that, hey, don't worry about masks, don't worry about large gatherings, you know, don't get that vaccine and so forth, but yet you've gotten the vaccine and you're protected, right. I think that is important people ought to know. And lawmakers aren't telling people. In fact, they've fought to make sure that people can't find out who's vaccinated. So I thought it was very important just so that people could trust me. No, I agree. And I'd like to say you'd like to see more people, in a sense, come clean. Uh, Because when you're listening to advice, we have gotten so paranoid and distrustful that you're you're sitting here saying oh take the johnson and johnson vaccine well gee he probably has a big fat stock option there and and that's horrible that is horrible that that is the first thing that we may be thinking rather than saying gee dr pate or dr galati or dr whoever researched it out and they believe based on years of experience that this is probably the way to go not some um uh sinister motive and and you know that that's a that's a mountain we have to get over the um the other main point that you make here which will start rolling people still to this day on friday just a couple days ago talking to patients they didn't want to get it because it is experimental and and you do a, a a good explanation and so for everybody listening tonight if you yourself are thinking well i'm not getting the vaccine because it's experimental dr pate explain yeah thank you joe this is a common one and and it's because we have to understand that the people who out are out there peddling misinformation, they're also very selective about their words. Right. They want to use words that will inflame your emotions, because if they can inflame your emotions, you'll be even more persuaded to their side. So one of those ways is they label this experimental. Now it gives the Uh, notion that, you know, were the Nazis experimenting on prisoners or something, people are invoking the Nuremberg Code, all kinds of things. 
These vaccines are not uh, experimental. Uh, those clinical trials, the experiments were conducted last year. They finished all three phases. The FDA does not consider these vaccines experimental. Physicians and scientists don't consider it experimental. And, in fact, in the recent court case of the Houston Methodist uh, case, the judge uh, says explicitly they're not experimental. The other probably more convincing point, let me just say, even if these were experimental, which they're not, understand we've given about 340 million doses of this vaccine. Right. Pfizer vaccines being used by 111 countries, Moderna's being used by 61 countries, and the Johnson Johnson in 33 countries. If this is an experiment, this is the largest trial in history. Right. And, and by leaps. And, and that's all the more reason people should be confident in these. There's more testing of these vaccines than most of the medications and probably all of the supplements that any of your listeners are taking. Oh, exactly. And for, gosh, nearly 30 years, I have been involved in clinical research with new medications. And even for the new, I mean, the last three to four years, hepatitis C drugs, which have been a, a, a true marvel, there probably have not been more than a couple, 3,000 patients involved in these FDA registry trials. And yet it is FDA approved and everybody just was hounding to get on these medications. But like you said, millions of doses, millions of patients. And for some reason, this is this is a roadblock. No, no, no. It's experimental. Um, why is it, would you say, explain why it does not have the FDA good housekeeping seal yet? Because that, that may be what people are, you know, this, I'd like to think that they understand what you just said, but yeah. those that really need the gold label on the bottle, what, what's holding that up? Yeah, that's an important point, uh, Joe, and, and for your listeners, understand that the FDA approval, the formal approval process, is a lengthy one. Even when it's expedited, it's typically at least six months. And the, and the reason we don't have FDA approval yet is, first of all, uh, these, the government, I think, is trying to be careful. They don't want to do something to further lose the trust of the American people right. because that is so important. But secondly, it, it's the holdup on the approval is not going to be because we don't have the safety and efficacy data. We have more safety and efficacy data on these vaccines than almost any other drug that gets approved. What happens is to give approval, the FDA has to, they have to determine the storage uh, requirements and how long can it last and uh, how uh, they have to, they have to actually go do inspections of the uh, uh, vaccine production uh, sites right. and inspect those. And so there's just a whole lot of other stuff that doesn't 
for all of us doesn't really make a difference in terms of how well these vaccines work, but they have to go through all these processes that are just very time-consuming in order to give the approval. And the FDA just issued a statement that they understand that this is very important. They're not willing to compromise their processes, but what they are going to do is they're trying to mobilize resources to expedite it because it's not being held up because there's any concern that these vaccines are not safe and effective. Right. Okay. That's 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 well put. The next uh, the next issue is we don't have long term studies on the safety of vaccines. Again, that with not being approved and long term studies and safety, people at the drop of the hat will say, "Nat, this isn't for me. I need more information." What do you say to that? That, this one is actually one of the most common things I hear, that, well, we don't have long-term studies. Well, let me explain about long-term studies in vaccines. It's, it is different. You cannot compare this to medications that we give our patients that they will take every day for decades. Uh, uh, what this is, the vaccine is typically something you're getting a shot and that's it. Right. And so when we look at vaccines, typically we see most of the ill effects, either minor or severe, within just days of getting the vaccine. Mm-hmm. With, with minor reactions, we almost always see those within 12 days. With major reactions, we almost always see that within 35 days. What the FDA said is we're not going to give emergency use authorization until we have two months of data. I I have not been able to find a single vaccine where a serious um, adverse effect has occurred more than 35 days after the administration. And what I think people are getting confused about is – the the why we have learned some things lately that we didn't learn before was not because of a delayed onset in people that got vaccinated, but it's because we're vaccinating so many more people. The more people you vaccinate, the more rare things you will find. So, right. for example, in our clinical trials, we had in the Pfizer and Moderna studies, we had 30 to 40,000 people. So what you'll determine during a trial like that is uh, adverse effects that occur at a rate of 1 in 30,000 or 1 in 40,000. Right. What has happened is we have vaccinated, I mentioned before, we've now vaccinated hundreds of millions of people. What we're now detecting is adverse effects that occur at a rate of 1 in a million or 1 in 10 million. So it's because... The it's the numbers. It's the numbers. We're finding rare things. It's not that some, oh gosh, somebody that got vaccinated back in January, we just now saw a new complication. That's right. not what we're, we're seeing. And so the things that we're seeing are extremely rare. And the thing that has to be considered when people are concerned about these things that we've come up with is a lot of these things that we've seen with the vaccine are also things that happen with COVID. And with COVID, they happen 10 or 100 times more 
frequently. Right. So we have to be balanced in weighing these risks. It's the risk and benefit. All right, David, we're going to take one last break here. We're talking with Dr. David Pate. And as I've said and written, he has the gift of being able to articulate this complicated COVID-19 situation. Final segment coming up. I'm Dr. Joe Galati. Don't forget our newsletter, drjogalati.com. Sign up for that tonight. And we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Final segment for this Sunday evening. I'm Dr. Joe Galati. Your Health First is the name of the program. DrJoeGalati.com is our website. Sign up for the newsletter. And as I'm sitting here, I, I, I think my next invention is going to be a time machine to slow down time. Because, David, I don't have enough time with you tonight. My goodness. I think that's after COVID. Look, after COVID is done, you and I will have a secret science project, the time machine to stretch 90 minutes out of 60 minutes. That would be fine. Let's do it. All right. So um, along the same line, we're continuing with uh, the various points you make in your recent blog. We just finished no long-term safety studies is getting people concerned in that same vein. People don't want to take the vaccine because they're afraid of the side effects. And, you know, the operative word here is risk benefit, a sore arm, a fever, maybe being out of work for two or three days or, you know, laying on the couch is far better than getting covid and ending up on a ventilator or ECMO or or dying. It's it's really as simple as that. Absolutely, Joe. And you and I have seen this time and time again, uh, but most people have never experienced this if you're critically ill and what's involved. Let me tell you, whatever the side effects from the vaccine, and I had pretty, I was laid up for a day Mm -hmm. uh, after the vaccine. I would do it in a heartbeat again, because it is nothing in comparison to what you will be subjected to in the hospital. Oh, yes, without a doubt. And I would say the, 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 the tougher question to answer here is I'm young and healthy, so I shouldn't be worried about COVID. Now, on, on that area, I, when, you, when you look at the numbers of mortality, those that have died, uh, for children, it's, ex- it's, it's a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a percent. And for young people, probably up to 20, again, it's a very low number of dying. You may get sick, you may get COVID, but you're not going to die. How do you, how do you address this, David? I really bring up three points because I get this all, all the time. And I'm talking about young people, 20s, 30s, 40s. Uh, who feel like they're in good health. Number one, even if it's not for you, you want to get vaccinated because you want to protect others. You want to protect those kids who aren't able to get vaccinated. You want to protect your parents or other people who might be vulnerable. Number two, there's there's bad things that can happen to you from COVID other than dying. There's long COVID. We're finding out more and more things that are long-term effects of COVID. Why do you want those if that can be protected? And then the third, or prevented rather, and then the third thing is this is all changing with Delta. 
And, right. and Joe, um, if you look, I don't know about the hospitals uh, down there in Houston, but I've got a pretty good idea. But I do know about the hospitals here in Idaho. Uh-huh. And even though we're not being hit very hard right now, our ICUs are full of 30-year-olds. We just had a 20-year-old die last week. And so the Delta is a game changer. Please, to your listeners, please do not think COVID is what you, you've observed during the past year. It right. is different. Delta is completely different. And if you are young, you are still at significant risk. Okay. And that's a great point. Last, last thing in the last... Um 90 seconds. There's been a lot of talk about breakthrough and you were vaccinated and oh my God, you're getting, you're getting COVID again. Now that almost feeds back negatively to say, see, I shouldn't have never gotten vaccinated. You're getting COVID and I'm vaccinated. But, and this is directly from the CDC. So I'm not making it up and these are not, you know, your numbers that you're spinning. Vaccination breakthrough requiring hospitalization is 0.004%. Those that die from breakthrough, 0.001%. These are really, really small numbers. To me, it reinforces the vaccines work. They're not 100%, but they're, they're not really going to let you down in trying to protect you. Final word, what do you say? That's that's right, Joe. They were never intended to be 100% protective. What they're intended to do is prevent you from getting very sick, being hospitalized, or dying. Last point I'd make, talk to anybody, any doctor that's working in the hospital right now. If you look at the people that are in the ICU and on ventilators and are dying, they're people that are unvaccinated. Right. If the vaccines didn't work, given that roughly half the country's been fully vaccinated, half not. Right. What we should be seeing is half of those hospitalizations, half of those ICU patients, half of those deaths should be in the vaccinated. We're not. It's right. a fraction of a percent. The vaccines work. Absolutely. All right. David, again, you hit a home run. I appreciate it. And uh, I, we will just continue to talk about this and we'll have you back in a few weeks. How does that sound? So good to be with you, Joe. And thanks for getting good information out to people. Perfect. All right, David. Thank you. Dr. David Pate calling in from Idaho. Thank you all very much for tuning in. I'm Dr. Joe Galati. If you're going to do one thing tonight besides try to get vaccinated tomorrow, sign up for our newsletter, drjoegalati.com. Sunday at 7. We'll see you again. Thanks for listening today to our podcast. Don't forget, for more information, check out drjoegalati.com. Information about my book, Eating Yourself Sick, is available there, as well as our clinical practice, radio program, and social media links. We need you to be part of our tribe and community. Until we meet again, I'm Dr. Joe Galati. Ciao.